In this episode, we are talking about body language. So we go over how intuitive people are actually way more in tune to this, how everybody is always subconsciously reading body language. And then I give you a bunch of tips and tricks on how to both read and project body language to your advantage. Let's talk about what intuition really is. Let's look at all the places intuition and ego show up in your life. Let's share honestly. Let's do the research. I'm Jamie Hayhurst. I'm Heather Wood. This This is the Intuitive Intuitive Girl's Guide. Hey, Jamie. Want to talk about body language today? Yes, I love this topic. Well, do you actually love it or do you just want to learn about it because I assault you by like reading your body language all the time and telling you what you're actually doing. Yeah. I have to learn to defend myself against you. No, I actually, (laughs) I do love it. I think it's really intriguing. And I think that, um, I think it's something that empaths are naturally good at, but I think that if we actually know how to pinpoint things, it will make us even better at it. Exactly right. My friend. All right. Let's start with kind of the definition of body language. Okay. So the definition is that it is a type of nonverbal communication in which physical behaviors, as opposed to words, are used to express or convey information. Okay. You with that? Yep. Um, The other term often used is um, kinesics. So that is the exact same thing as both. Yeah, I've heard that too. Mm Mm-hmm. The term was coined by Ray Birdwistle. Is okay. that a cool name or what? That's pretty cool. <laughs> okay. And that was in 1952. So he was an anthropologist who studied nonverbal communication, and he was really the pioneer in the field of body language. Okay. But like most every topic we talk about, <laughs> he, did not, yeah, he did not invent body language. Nor can I trace the first instant of people reading body language because humans have always read body language. In fact, we used nonverbal communication for a very long time before verbal communication was even invented. Right. I mean, that's what I think of as like through evolution before we evolved enough to speak but we'd have to be able to be reading people's faces or what their bodies are doing. Exactly. And we also learned different things like fight, flight, or freeze, for example, is kind of an example. It sort of fits into the body language category because think back to like our ancient ancestors. Um, We all started in Africa, right? Um, We're all there and we're all like, sometimes there's a tiger and you know, there's a tiger, you freeze. Mm. if you if you run it's going to chase you and kill you it's going to win so you might free like so all of this stuff is very tied together and it is a complete instinct or intuitive thing that human beings do that makes so much sense when you say it like that okay so the the way that this is worded i like this so i want to i want to say these words but it's um humans are naturally programmed to express to each other their needs, desires, and fears. Kind of like a baby does without talking? 
Exactly. It is instinctual for you to do that. Now you are conditioned by whatever culture and society you live in, how you verbally express those things. Interesting. Right. And but you so- can't, right. You can't undo the natural stuff. So even if you, if I don't want you to know a need, desire, or fear I have, I am transmitting it to you somehow. Just on like a basic cellular root chakra level. Exactly. And there's this thing called the paleo circuits. Um, and there are these ancient pathways of nerve cells that they're in the brain, the brain stem and the spinal cord, and they are designed to do this. Um, and they're, your limbic system will override whatever's going on. And that's what's responsible for um, like body language. So like an example of that would be like if I startled you and you put your arms up or your hands in front of your face, like somewhere inside your brain, your brain doesn't want you to do that because your ego might think you look silly, but your limbic system will win that fight every time. Right. For defensive mechanisms. Yes. So this is why body language is such a great tool to kind of learn because even the best of the best can't really hide some of these things. Gotcha. Got it. That makes sense. Okay. So like you mentioned right at the jump, empathic and intuitive people are actually better at reading body language. This isn't just like two intuitive girls telling you this because we love intuition. This is like science, scientifically proven. There are studies about it. People who identify as empathic and intuitive and have other qualities and traits like that are better at reading body language. And I don't think it's very hard to understand why. No, I mean, fight me if you think that that's not <laughs> true. It, don't, it, it, it makes perfect sense if you're more sensitive to energy or to, you know, the tone of someone's voice or to what's emanating off of them, you're going to be picking up what's, what their body's doing in front of you. That's a given. Exactly. Really what intuitive and empathic people are doing is they're just taking in more energetic information than the rest of us. So it makes sense that some of that would be body language. Now, everybody naturally subconsciously reads body language. So it isn't just the intuitive empathic people. And it isn't just people who are trained like me, who are trained in body language. It is everybody. So learning about it only helps you do that better and maybe take in information, like more information or be a bit more precise, but you're already doing it. So that's why tapping into it, um, to see what you're projecting is also a good idea because even an untrained, non-intuitive empathic person sitting near you is still taking in information about you, about your body language. Does that make sense? Yeah. And it makes sense that you should learn how to interpret it because if you're taking it in anyways, you might be giving yourself the wrong impression. Right. All right. So Jay, you know that I have taken some body language classes because it fascinates me. Yes. Okay. So the person that I learned most of my stuff from is somebody named Joe Navarro. Okay. Um, And you can look him up. You can, he has classes, he has books. You can even find like, if you just find him on YouTube, you can find a bunch of free stuff if you want to. But if you're interested in learning more about that, 
about body language, I would check him out. Okay. So most of the the way that I look at body language is based on how he teaches it. If you go and find other people, they'll teach it a little bit differently. Um, And they'll teach it in this way that I don't like. And I'll I'll talk about it when we get more to the myth busting section. Um, But they they make it seem like just doing one thing tells you everything you need to know about somebody where that's not Joe Navarro's approach. Um, So... First of all, Joe is a former FBI agent who his job was to catch spies. Oh, that's cool. I know. So this guy knows body language, right? (laughs) But he says it's not about making judgments. It's about assessing what people are translating. And I have to interject here. Oh, good. (laughs) Please do. Nothing against Joe. He sounds like a delightful man. Um, But this is where like science or professionalism gets sort of the credit where intuition wouldn't get credit, right? Because they create like he's from the FBI or wherever he's, they're creating studies about it. They create terminology that sounds like fancy or legit. So, but if I just said to you as an intuitive woman, like I could say the same exact thing as FBI agent and it wouldn't be taken as seriously because we'd be saying the same thing but with different words totally it's this weird patriarchal thing like remember when we were talking about the time travel and the time slips and like the stories that like were more famous and more credited were ones that were men you were like a, a policeman or a security guard like I feel like it's kind of that same thing um you get this different level of street cred for it than like an intuitive woman would. I 100% agree with that. Right. I just wanted to say that because I feel like he's doing, he's doing very intuitive work just from the two sentences you said about him. You can tell he's already doing intuitive work. Exactly. And he certainly is, but it's, it's, he's more successful and trusted at it because his, um, you know, FBI white male, background (laughs) exactly my point exactly yes very very true um and you know along those lines i want to say here different cultures have different body language like cues and different things so you can't just assume that like oh that's the way like that's the american way of doing something like you don't want to ever do that so like be respectful of other cultures also <laughs> right and you're going to mess something up if you're if you're using american standards or whatever your culture is for some from someone of a different culture cuz you're going to think and assume that they mean something and it could be something different in their culture exactly and i have a little a quick story that joe navarro tells to kind of illustrate how paying attention to cultural cues is a big deal. It's kind of a fun story, but I think you'll like it. Okay. All right. So they were trying to catch a mole. All right. So there's a certain spy and they were suspecting that someone was a mole feeding information to the other side. So they're, they're like surveying this person. So they're like watching them in all these different places And so they have this footage of him walking out of a flower shop. And as he's walking out of a flower shop, this is where he can figure out that this person is not actually an American. Why? (laughs) He's holding the flowers, petals down. Really? 
Yeah. So in America, when you, yeah. when you grab some flowers, right, you're going to grab them by the stem and then the flowery part's going to be on the top. Okay. Yeah. You're going to hold it like a baby. Yeah. <laughs> in Eastern Europe, the way that they hold flowers is they hold it by the stem, but the flower petally part down and back. Wow. That's interesting. So, so just that was how they figured out who the mole was. Wow. That guy played himself with the flowers. <laughs> so this is what I mean though. Like even if you are a spy, like espionage is your game. Right. Like he's, <laughs> you will be portrayed by body language because it's so instinctual and natural. Right. He, that guy, that spy wasn't thinking about like screwing it up by holding flowers. No, he wasn't aware that they do it differently in America. That's awesome. Weird, right? Yeah. All right, let's do a little bit of myth busting before we get into like me giving you some ways to read people's body language. Okay. All right. So, have you heard the myth, Jay, about the arm cross? Um, I've heard that if you cross your arms like over your chest, you look defensive. Mm-hmm. It's taught the the myth is that it's a blocking behavior. So you're trying to block person mm-hmm. person away from you. You're defensive. That's the myth, and it's wrong. What is it? It's actually that you are trying to self soothe. You're giving yourself a hug. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So it's very. I hear it all the time. Like, oh, arms crossed means blocking. And I don't know where that came from, but it is so, it's probably the most popular um, incorrect myth I hear about body language. And it's so opposite. Like if somebody is crossing their arms, they are comforting themselves. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with them. They're just trying to give themselves a little bit of soothing or comfort. That's interesting too, because one of my, like my muggle job is a photographer and when I do headshots, some people won't cross their arms because they think it makes them look closed off or unapproachable. But I, I, bet, it's women. I bet it's women who say that only, right? Yes, absolutely. Only women. <laughs> but I always try to explain them that you actually, you look actually confident when you do that. When you cross your arms, you don't look closed off. You look like you're um, like standing tall. It, it shifts your posture. So you actually look more confident. Exactly right. It makes you stand up straight and it it does not make you look defensive or that you're blocking. That is a myth. So yeah, this is good. Thank you for clearing that up. <laughs> you're welcome. All right. Have you heard the myth that if you look to the left, you are telling a lie, but if you look to the right, you're telling the truth. When someone asks you a question, have you heard that one? I've heard that so many times for probably like the past 20 years. Yeah. And it's not true. Really? No, it's not true at all. So here's the closest thing to true, but I I, ha- I want to put like an asterisk after it. So so bear with me while I say the thing. <laughs> so there, you if you look in one certain direction, it isn't left or right. It's actually different for everybody. But one direction that you look to, let's say let's just say the left, you're thinking, and the other direction will say the right, you're processing. Mm, that I agree with. Yeah. So that's what's happening. Now, if you study NLP at all, there are so much more, like, I don't remember all of them, but like up into the left quick motion, you're using your visual part of your brain. Like, like, you know what I mean? So like, there's so many different little pieces of this and it's actually not at all very accurate because you may do it differently than somebody else. 
And that's actually how I know if someone's looking a certain way, that's how I know that they're tapping into their intuition. Yes. You do that. I do that. It's a very, if somebody watching what somebody does with their eyes will actually indicate or could indicate to you which of their clairs, their intuitive inner senses they use. So somebody, if they look um, just off to the side, either up or to the side, or they just kind of unfocus their eyes, that's an indicator that that person is using their clairvoyance. So they're most, most likely that's their main one. If somebody closes their eyes or like averts like down or away, they are most likely using um, clear audience. They're trying to not look, they're trying to hear. They're like directing their ear towards you or taking out their visual senses. So you can even use cues like that to figure that out. Yeah, I love that. Mm, me too. Okay, uh, the throat clear, the touching your nose or the covering of your mouth. There's a myth that any of those things happening means you're lying. Oh, it's like deception. Yes. None of those things are true. That means you have throat chakra problems. <laughs> Most <laughs> likely. <feeling. laughs> exactly. Um, but those are actually all, again, self-soothers. Oh, really? Yeah. So you clear your throat to soothe yourself. The You actually create a vibration that your body likes when you clear your throat. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And touching your face most any time um, or touching, just like touching yourself for a second is a soothing thing. You can touch your mouth. You can touch your nose. You're touching your face right now. Yeah. All I ever do is touch my face. (laughs) It is just a self-soother. That's all it means. So if you're noticing somebody doing it a lot, you just know that they're seeking some comfort or some soothing. So they might not be totally comfortable. That's all I would read from that. Right. And we can also use this information not to be like, you know, secret service, FBI, secret agent. (laughs) We could use this information to help ourselves better communicate. Like that's what you do, Heather, right? I'm assuming you're noticing that I'm touching my face, not because you're looking to catch me in a lie, but because you're looking to see how you can shift the conversation to make me feel better. You're right. And this is an excellent place to explain that. Right. So there's this, there's this thing when people know that I am like, I don't know, I think I'm certified in it somewhere. It doesn't matter, but I'm highly educated in body language, right? They, there's always this thing where they're like, oh, but I thought it was just intuition. <laughs> you know that thing people do? <laughs> yes, I do know that thing. <laughs> yes. Um, and here's the thing. Intu- truly intuitive people aren't looking to prove that they're magically taking information out of thin air. Like none of us care about that. No. Just put that out there. Okay. What's really happening is you're taking in as much energetic information as you possibly can. So mm-hmm. for me, with body language, I'm using it to confirm or to alter or to grab my attention about what I'm picking up intuitively. Right. You know, you're not, you shouldn't use body language just to figure somebody out. That is, you're going to be pretty obvious if you're doing that and most likely wrong. But a lot of intuitive people use it that way. So I tend to use just in normal life, I use my intuition um, because I want to pick up information about you because I want to connect to you. I love being connected to people, right? And I'm naturally curious. I think you're the same way. Yeah. Now I'm going to use body language to confirm my suspicions. 
Right. The other thing I'm going to use body language for is to grab my attention because what happens with intuition and people who are intuitive out there who use their intuition regularly, I know that you're going to nod along with this, but what happens is you fall into like an intuitive rabbit hole when you're assessing someone and you get locked into one thing. Uh-huh. So if somebody does a bot, like a, a body language movement or something that shows something else interesting, it sort of like snaps you out of it because you could have missed something. So I also use it for that. And I'll give you an example of that. Okay. You were actually witness to this conversation, so you may or may not have picked up on it. <laughs> okay, so I was talking to somebody, and I was trying to pick up intuitive information about some physical pain that they were in, okay? Mm-hmm. So I asked them to describe the pain, and then was asking some specific questions around the pain, not, be, not because I needed to know, I'd had already been told, but because that's how my intuition works. I was trying to pick up information. And if somebody's talking about it, that's, that helps me. Mm-hmm. Now, as I said something very, it seemed like an insignificant detail to me that I was breezing by, this person rapidly changed their body language, shifted in their chair and tilted their body completely away from me when I said it. And I went, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, I knew this person. So I was okay being like, what are you doing? Um, but I was like, whoa, what just happened? I'm, there's something there that I, w- I wasn't detecting because I was uberly focused on this other thing. Like, does that make sense? Yes. And that person didn't know either. Okay, right. <laughs> they didn't know that they were feeling that way until I brought it up. Right. So it's also that you can use it for that. And then you can also use it, like we said before, for how you're coming off to other people. Right. And I also think that if you're if you're spending your time communicating with someone and using your information about their body language or even just whatever you're picking up intuitively to like uncover them or to blow their cover, you're coming from like a really yucky place energetically. Yeah. Like this stuff can be I mean sure, if you're suspecting someone of something, absolutely use it as a tool in your toolbox, but this this is more like a way just to accentuate your already intuitive abilities, accentuate your communication skills, things like that. Exactly. Most of us listening, you know, most of our listeners here are probably not going to be like, okay, good. Now tomorrow when I go conduct my FBI investigation, I can use this. (laughs) But in your your regular life, it's helpful. Even, Even detecting deception, like for example, in my kids, they joke that I can always tell I'm intuitive and I understand body language like are you kidding like forget about it um but I don't I don't just detect deception to catch them in it or to catch them in lies and stuff I do it because I they might tell me something's cool but I can tell by their body language that that that's actually true so it's it's a helper as well agreed and I think maybe the reason why I'm so hyper focused on it being like this spy technique is I think that that's the only reason, that's the only way we see it in our society is like, I'm thinking about when I was growing up and there'd be like a lie detector test on like Maury Povich or something, or like <laughs> some like some talk show would have a, you know, like a body language expert on to reveal deceptions in relationships. You know what I mean? Like, I think our culture uses that information um, against people. Agreed. Now, we both know that I secretly wish I was a spy. Yes. Um, so I love understanding that and in taking it in that way. But I use this daily in support of people. 
Right, exactly. So there you go. And also, that's how, as a nature spy, but mostly to help people. Right. And we should be using our powers for good. Yeah. Well, when we can. I mean, of course, we can use it when whenever we need to, but exactly. Exactly. Okay. Um, I just want to tell you one more thing before I give you tips and tricks, because you might hear this term. It's called the Pinocchio effect. Um, so think of Pinocchio's nose growing when he's lying. Uh-huh. It's used to describe an incorrect idea in body language that one single behavior is indicative of deception. Oh, like you're only looking for Pinocchio's nose. Yeah. So if I'm watching you and all of a sudden I'm like, she just self-soothed when she said that, that definitely means this. That's called the Pinocchio effect and it's not true. And I'll tell you how to do stuff better, but I just wanted to, I wanted to put that term in there because I liked it. Gotcha. Love it. Okay. Tips and tricks. Are you ready? Yep. Okay. The first thing that you want to do when you want to read someone's body language is establish a baseline. Okay. So again, all human beings are different. We all do different things. We all have these little quirks and tendencies. So you can't just go, okay, if if someone's doing X, Y, and Z, it means this. Now I'm going to give you some examples of pretty universal ones that most people do. But if you're only basing stuff on that, you're not going to be very successful with um, reading body language. What you want to do by establishing a baseline is just observe somebody for a few minutes to see how they are like when they're comfortable when they're not comfortable what's their what do they go back to and when do they deviate from that if you can establish that you're going to be able to read their body language much easier i mean that makes sense for everything i think like med- medically body language wise i mean like even just everyday interpersonal stuff you should a baseline is always going to help you read what's happening Exactly. And not everybody's baseline is the same. Like, you know, if you're just reading someone based on their posture, which we'll talk about posture later, but if you're just reading somebody based on that and you haven't found what their baseline posture is, like how do they, how is, how do they hold their body when they're comfortable? Then you aren't going to have any idea like, Oh, that person's got their shoulders slouched. They must be insecure and lying. Well, maybe that's just their baseline is kind of slouchy shoulders. Yeah. Maybe I have scoliosis or, or huge boobs. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) all these things affect us. Absolutely. Okay. So if you can just watch somebody for a few minutes, um, you don't have to be doing anything other than just having a conversation. Or if you're, um, observing a conversation with other people, if you're, if you're like me and you like to sit at a coffee shop or a restaurant and like, spy on other people and try to guess if they're on a first date or what's happening. You just want to first establish how do they, how are they acting when they're comfortable? How are they holding their body? Right. Okay. Um, the next one is mirroring. Okay. Okay. I'm going to explain to you what it is, but I'm going to tell you right now that you have to do this subtly. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I see people try this and I'm laughing because, um, it is super, if you make yourself obvious to someone that you are mirroring them, you have ruined whatever you were trying to accomplish. Because they're probably subconsciously picking it up, right? Yeah, or conscious. I've seen it done really badly. The instances where I've seen it done really badly were people who were trying to use it as a sales technique. Oh, yuck. And they were overly mirroring somebody. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you what it is, but then I'm going to just 
I'm going to say like, hear this and, but do it, do it easy. Right. Start off slow. Start slow. Okay. Mirroring is exactly what it sounds like where you're just mimicking what other people are doing at the same time that they're doing it. Okay. Now I'm going to give you three mirroring techniques to try. And I don't want you to go beyond the three if you're a beginner. If you are an advanced body language person, you do as many as you want to. If you just want to start out and try this, these are the three I want you to start with. Sound good? Um, so the first thing is their posture style. Okay. So let's, let's use this example that, that you're going to meet at a coffee shop. Okay. Now you see how they're sitting. Now, if this person is sitting very relaxed, if they're leaning to the side, or if they're sitting very straight up and focused, you don't need to sit exactly that way, but you want to use that style, right? Wait. What's this called when you do it not knowingly? Because I do that all the time and realize I'm mirroring without not like not intentionally. It's still called mirroring, but because human beings are designed to to connect with each other, that's what it is. So you if you notice somebody mirroring you, and it's most likely subconscious, right? Unless unless it's that salesperson doing it a little too obnoxiously. But if you're noticing that, what it means is that they are trying to connect with you. Okay. All right. Um, So if you're doing that, it's because whoever you're doing it with, you are trying to connect to. Okay. Empathic people do it all the time. Right. All right. It's the same as if like you hear somebody talking with a certain accent and like all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, I accidentally have like a Texas accent because I talked to someone from Texas for a minute. (laughs) That's the story of my life. Same. Empathic people are so in tune that we repeat those things. So doing it naturally, totally normal. Doing it obnoxiously, not so normal. Got it. Okay. So a great way to use this would be like if you were going for a job interview, you would want to look at how the person interviewing you was sitting. What's their posture style while they're sitting and they're interviewing you? If they're sitting up very straight and alert, you are going to want to sit that way too. Now, don't do the exact leg motion and arm motion, but mimic that style. Okay. If they are sitting relaxed or have one leg tucked up or leaning back, don't go as far relaxed as them, but also be in a more relaxed position. Right. Don't go super rigid. No. If, if somebody, like you're being interviewed, so the other person would be the one with the upper hand. Right. You don't want to take the upper hand from someone in that situation. So you don't want to do either thing more dramatically. You don't want to try to dominate with your body language. That's not going to give the right impression either. So you just want to sort of subtly mimic without going overboard. Got it. Okay. Number two is my favorite one, but it's the one you have to be the most careful with because it's tricky is gesturing. Okay. You want to pick one gesture to copy at first. Okay. I, this is where I catch salespeople. All right. Because if, if you're itching your nose, because I'm itching, like at the same time, I'm itching my nose, I'm going to be like, why are you itching? Your nose isn't itchy, right? Like if I notice you do like you lean the same time I do, if I, if I'm picking up on it, you're doing a lot of things. Does that make sense? Yeah. And why is the salesperson doing that to try to connect with you? Yes. Actually mirroring is a great sales technique. Like there are lots of studies, just for example, if let's say you are um, at a checkout counter and you're, you're making some kind of food or coffee for somebody and you mimic them just a little bit, 
their tip, your tips, the studies show that people get 50% more of a tip just by doing that. Whoa. I know. Yeah. So it's very effective. But again, if you're caught doing it, you just look like you're trying to trick somebody. Yeah. That looks gross. Okay. So the way that I'm going to suggest mimicking, I'm going to say with, let's use our coffee shop example again, you're sitting with someone and you want to connect with them. Every time they take a sip of coffee, you also take a sip of coffee. Okay. Okay. Subtle thing. Because what happens with mirroring is that your subconscious brain goes, this person is like me. And people are naturally more drawn to people that they feel are like them. So this is why this technique works. That's incredible. That makes so much sense. It's subconscious. Now, if you are doing mirroring and you are mid-sentence and someone takes a sip of their coffee, don't stop and take a sip of yours. Right. Yes. But pick it up. Like you're going to take a sip when you have a second. Like work it in. You can miss one. You don't have to get 100% of them. But those types of things make a big difference with mirroring. Okay. All right. My last... My last trick is to mimic their listening style. Okay. So people listen to you and present that they're listening to you in the way that they want to be listened to. Oh, if that isn't the truth, I don't know what is. Wow. (laughs) So if somebody you're, you're speaking um, and the person is listening to you and they make a lot of eye contact or they lean towards you, or maybe they look down, or they write something down, or um, maybe they do give you a few verbal cues, like "Mm," maybe they nod a lot. Just pay attention to that. And then again, don't overdo it, but do that when they're speaking and they will go, oh my God, this person is so listening to me. (laughs) Wow. You could be zoned out. And if that person's a nodder and you become a nodder too, they think you're listening. It won't even matter. That's incredible. (laughs) Use with caution, but very effective. Yeah. uh, These are all seem like pretty easy things to implement once you think about them. Very easy. And again, don't go overboard. Just sub. And then if you- Don't make it weird. Don't don't make it weird. Hashtag don't make it weird. That could be the quote for this whole episode. (laughs) Don't make it weird. Don't make it weird. The last thing that I'll give you, which is a little, a slightly bit more advanced, but a fun thing to try. If you're trying to to figure out if somebody is like really tuned into you, if you're doing the mirroring, do that for at least 20 minutes, half an hour, and then you be the person who does something different and see if they mimic you. Oh, so the tables have turned. Yes. So you take the sip of coffee and see if they take it, like little things like that. Now, if they don't do it, it does not mean that they don't like you. It just means that they're not as tuned into you. Right. And and again, to the point that this is all very intuitive to human beings, I, I do every single thing that you just said. And I have zero experience with body language. I've taken zero classes, read zero books. But I think that we just know how to make people, if you're intuitive, you know how to make someone feel heard. You know how to make someone feel comfortable. Yeah. Intuitive, empathic people want the person that they're with to feel comfortable and to feel good. Like that person's emotional state becomes more important than our own. That's our design. It's a hard design, especially if you don't have good boundaries, but it's the design. All right. So 
it's very natural to do. All you're doing is kind of understanding what's happening so that you can use it to your benefit or that you can observe it to gain information. Yeah, I really love that. Okay. This is this is one that is so easy to spot and it's called grooming. So grooming is when people play with their clothes. Oh my God, I do that all the time. <laughs> oh, people constantly do this. Now it isn't just like one time making an adjustment. It's if you're seeing someone like repeatedly play with their clothing, it is a sign that they're either nervous, restless, insecure, or embarrassed. Oh, this is interesting to me. I do that all the time. Like with the strings on my hoodie, I'll twirl them. Mm-hmm. I'll pull my sleeves up, pull them back down. Mm-hmm. It's Ooh. probably restlessness, especially yeah. if you, you're witnessing somebody do something really repetitive like that. It's most likely restlessness. So wow, people do that constantly. Yeah, I bet. Okay. Another one that I enjoy catching people do, um, it's, it's considered a micro expression. Have you heard that term before? No. So that's just when people make an, a, a facial movement, but it's really quick. All right. And it's involuntary. Okay. So the first one is called the bunny nose. Okay. Think of when you smell something bad. You just like, like a bunny, like you just lift your nose up and down really quick. Got it. That is when you don't like something that somebody said. That makes sense. So if I'm like, Hey, do you want to come over tomorrow? And you bunny nose. I'm like, she does not want to come over tomorrow. (laughs) Right. I don't know if I want to live with all this information. (laughs) It's too much for you. It's too much for me to know what people really think about me. (laughs) I feel like that one's pretty obvious though. Like if someone curls their nose up as if they've smelled like sour milk, they're probably not happy. Right. Like that, like she turned her nose up at it. That's a saying sort of, you know? Exactly. And then the other one is a a very quick sniff that involves pulling your mouth to the side really quick. What does that mean? I'm doing it to you, but oh, I know what you mean. How would yeah. you describe that? Like it, it looks like you're like it looks like you're trying to smell like off to the side of your face. Yeah, like you pull your lips to the side and sniff, and it's really quick. This is an important one, especially if you are a woman, because. If you see a man do this in particular, this means anger and rage. Really? People do this right before they attack people. That actually makes a lot of sense now. Like it almost sounds it almost sounds like they're clearing like their like their nostrils, you know what I mean? Like they're like moving the phlegm around. Yes. A very popular place to see this is like you can watch when someone's on trial for murder or something and they'll be talking about like the person they murdered, I'm always watching to see if they do this sniff with the lips to the side because I'm like, Ooh, they're ragey about that person. Wow. It almost, when you're describing it like that, almost, um, I think of like a bull that's being baited by a matador, like that sort of like sound and the way their snout moves like that. Yeah. Same energy, same thing. So if you are, talking to someone or you're with someone and you see them make that motion, Ooh. move, run, get away. No. Wow. Okay. Bad news bears. Noted. Okay. People do a lot of stuff with their lips. Um, and so in particular, if people press their lips together, um, they are mildly bothered by whatever you said. Like with their fingers or they just like sort of roll them together? Lips together, just not with your fingers, just yourself. 
Oh, they're bothered? Yes. Like they're trying to shut their mouth about it? Um, they are pursing their lips. So it's like any, basically anytime your face is not relaxed, it's telling you something that someone's not happy about. So when you purse, like, think of, think of if I said to you, like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna need you to work, you know, four more hours tonight. And and you said that to someone and they just kind of like, mm, like, push mm-hmm. their mm. you're gonna see that like distaste, right? Yeah, like, I want to tell you no, but I'm gonna keep my mouth shut. Exactly. Um, I saw it today when I told my son that we needed to do his homework now and get it done. He went, okay. And he pushed his lips together. Now I'm not offended by this. I don't, I don't blame him for not wanting to do his homework, but there you go. Right. And just a clue to you how he's feeling. Exactly. Now, if somebody sucks in their lips, so they like, you can't see their lips, they are very bothered. Oh, this is interesting. And I think it also speaks to the, how you can use it to help people is I feel like that's something one of my children would do, but they would say, sure, I'll do my homework. And then the lips would disappear. <laughs> exactly. And here's, that's, that's so good. Cause here's my example for that. One time I was asking one of my kids about their day at school and we were kind of running through the day. And when I got to one certain subject, it was math. They said it was fine and tucked their lips completely into their face. And so I was like, oh, yeah, something red happened in math. Right. So you can use it like that too. Okay. Right. So you don't have to be a spy. Again, you can, you can just use it in everyday life to, to figure out what's happening around you. Exactly. Okay. Love. My next one is the head tilt. Okay. Now I'd like to say that women use the head tilt more than men. So it's an easier read in women, but men use it too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also scientifically proven side note that women are better at observing bo- uh, body language than men. Of course they are. We don't tend to have the jobs in the FBI catching spies as often, but it's scientifically proven we're better at it. No, of course. And we're generally like, quote unquote, allowed to be more intuitive. We're also generally the caretakers for infants who can't communicate verbally. So it makes sense that evolutionarily speaking, we would be better at that. Exactly. We'll be right back after this short break. Hey y'all, it's Jamie with a little shameless self-promotion. We've had a lot of people reaching out asking about distal Reiki. So I wanted to let you all know that yes, you can book a session with me. If you'd like some distance Reiki, get in touch with me and we will set it up for you. You know what goes great with podcast listening? A great cup of coffee from a great coffee shop. Yep. Beans roasted in-house, amazing baristas. You know where I'm talking about. Restoration coffee. Can we go? Yes. I need an Americano and maybe a panini too. Ooh, I need blueberry maple latte and probably a resto bowl. Yeah. Check them out and visit restoration-coffee.com. Okay. So the head tilt. This is something people do when they are feeling relaxed. All right, so that's the first part. So if someone's tilting their head, they're feeling relaxed. Think about it. If you see someone with like their head completely straight, they're most likely not relaxed. But again, you have to establish a baseline because it's different for every person. 
but most often a head tilt is a good sign. So I'm telling you, if you're on a date and the woman gives you like a head tilt or has her head tilted to the side, that's a good sign going well. Agreed. Yes. Okay. Now there's a real interesting kind of instinctual biological thing about the head tilt and vulnerability. With the neck? Yes. So if you are exposing your neck to someone, which is what you're doing when you're tilting your head, you are kind of saying like you're comfortable being seen as vulnerable in front of them. Isn't that how some animals communicate submission to like the alpha? Exactly. In humans, it's not necessarily submission, but it's more of like, I'm not on high alert. It's a, it's a bit of trust. Right. Exactly. Okay. There's also some interesting articles and this is theory. This isn't proven that the way a woman has her hair cut or styled will indicate the way she prefers to be viewed when it comes to vulnerability. Oh, tell me more. <laughs> so if a woman has this, this is a theory. Again, I'm not backing it up saying yes or no. I think it has some validity. I don't think it's across the board. But the theory is that if your hair is short and your neck is always exposed or you always wear your hair back in a ponytail or up, that it's you feel safer when you're viewed as more vulnerable. If you have longer hair and you wear the hair down more often, you feel safer not being viewed as vulnerable. Wow. That's <laughs> incredible. <laughs> so I have one wow. hair that I typically always wear down. And that's very accurate for me that I don't really, I have to work to feel comfortable being vulnerable. That's like effort based. So it works, it tracks for me personally. Well, it tracks for me, but in the opposite way that I'm someone who, if I have longer hair, it's always pulled back. It's always off my face. And I've also for years had almost a completely shaved head. I mean, I've had a, I've had just hair, like, a, like a, basically a long mohawk on the top. And I have been taught that to be like, it's not safe to be seen as um, in command or, you know, controlling that showing that sort of submissive, vulnerable side is safer for people. They feel safer around me. Exactly. Exactly right. So it tracks for both of us. I would be the opposite that like I'm, I'm putting myself in a position to be hurt if I'm being that way. So notice it yourself, but, and use this one loosely. Cause again, it's a theory. Okay. Um, and it's subconscious. So don't be like, oh, you have short hair. Is that because you enjoy being viewed as vulnerable? Does that feel safer for you? Like, I don't suggest that. But notice when you're meeting somebody or when you're seeing somebody, you know, mm -hmm. a few times how their hair is. And if their hair is down always, you probably know that vulnerability is not super comfortable for them. And if their hair is up or short and their neck is exposed, oh, it could be that they feel safer presenting with some vulnerability at like right at the front. Or maybe if they make some sort of drastic hair change, maybe it's signaling that that has shifted because of something that happened to them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so the only other part of the head tilts I'll say is notice when, if somebody's got their head tilted like the whole time, notice when it straightens. Or if somebody's got their head very straight, notice when it tilts. Like, what are you talking about? What's going on? Just keep an eye for that and it will give you some information. Okay. People raise their shoulders up when they don't know the answers to something or if they feel unsure. Yeah, definitely. I do that. Yeah. Everybody does that. I'll give you an example, an IgG example. 
Okay. All right. So we were interviewing somebody one time. We've interviewed a few people. I won't, I won't call out who it is. And when I asked them a question, I noticed their shoulders raise. Uh So I, I, as I was talking, I picked it up. And so I made sure at the end of my question to keep talking and clarify a little bit better what I meant. And I watched their shoulders go back down and then they answered. So that's kind of a way you can use it again without being a spy. Does that make sense? Yeah. And because that person wasn't probably mad at what you were saying, they probably needed just some clarity. So it was a way for you to assist them. Exactly. I knew that the way I asked the question made them feel a little unsure or not exactly to know how they were going to answer. So I bought them a little more time and clarified in a way I knew that they would know the answer. Um, And then I saw their shoulders go down and then I threw to them. So it's just these little things that you can do. Again, you can use this to make people feel more comfortable in your presence instead of just to be a spy or to catch people lying. (laughs) I love it. I love that. Um, A popular one. This is more popular or easy to pick up with men than it is with women. Um, Typically, again, let's, let's just make our statement that like, I'm going to reference gender norms, but however you identify and that these are just generalizations and they're not true for everybody. Right. Exactly. Okay. So this is called ventilation. So I'm going to use men as an example here. When you see them sort of like open their shirt up to let air in and they kind of like go back and forth. Oh yeah. Right. They are ventilating. They're trying to get themselves more air. This is a subconscious thing that we do when we feel uncomfortable. Oh, that's really interesting. So it's it's also a sign that some adrenaline is starting to spike in their body. So why is adrenaline spiking? Typically when people are are feeling like they're getting caught in in deceiving somebody, they want your body tells you to flee, like run away. <laughs> right. Right. They're like it like it's getting hot around here. Yeah. And so your body fills with this adrenaline. And so when you you do something like that, you're going to, that's that adrenaline coming out. Um, for my true crime people, if you remember the case with Jody Arias, when she, so she was accused of, of murder when they were showing the interview clips of her, when they left for a minute, she got up in the room and did a headstand. What? <laughs> I mean, that's weird anyways, but it was, she's had so much energy pent up from lying and, and the nervousness about that. And her body's telling her to flee, but she can't, that she had to do a headstand to get the energy out of her body. Oh my God. You can also see this in kids a lot. I noticed this, especially with teenagers where they start doing these weird body contortion things while they're talking because they're getting uncomfortable and they want to flee. That's that same thing happening. It's just adrenaline spiking because their fight, flight, or freeze has told them to uh, get the heck out of there. Yeah. And so they're moving as much as they can without further incriminating themselves. Exactly. All right. This, this one is one that, um, I only kind of use, so I'll explain in a minute, but that's somebody's blink rate. Okay. So if you were um, in the FBI and you were watching somebody speak, like you were watching an interrogation or something, you might actually count how many blinks per minute somebody does and then keep watching to see if that goes off track or changes. Right. Something you would need a baseline for, I'm assuming. 
Exactly. You're establishing a baseline and then noticing if their blink rate gets really fast or really slow, because again, you're deviating from the baseline. Right. Here's how you could actually use that in real life. Just notice if somebody starts blinking a lot more or less than they were before. Right. You don't have to count how many times somebody blinks. Um, That's awkward and weird. And don't make it weird. You would. (laughs) But if you're you're watching a video or something, you could do that. But um, I would just say just pick up if somebody changes their blink rate. Because, again, that's that's deviating from a baseline. It doesn't always necessarily mean bad or good. It's just a change that's going to indicate something. Right. If you're talking about a certain person or a certain situation and their blink rate changes, then that's indicative of of something. Exactly. Okay. The next one is leg brushing or rubbing. Okay. So you see people kind of brush or rub their legs a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, This is another self-soother. It's a way to pacify. So people do this to like try to calm themselves down or to soothe themselves a bit. Now, when you see people doing self-soothing things, it doesn't mean that they don't like you. I hear people kind of get confused. People become uncomfortable for all different kinds of reasons. It doesn't it also doesn't mean that they're lying. It just it's just something to notice that they're self-soothing. If you notice that every time you ask them about their marriage, they self-soothe, that could be some information you right. could gain. Right. That's really the way you would use it sort of like again over a period of time. I read that more when I see someone self-soothing like that. I read it as that they just have, they probably are feeling anxious, not about what I'm talking about, but just like in general, they're feeling anxious. Absolutely. That's why it's important to, to pick it up over time and to notice, does it, every time I bring up this one thing, does a person do that? Right? Like that's just what you want to do. And then if you are doing something like an interview, like you're being interviewed, try not to do things like that because what you're kind of, again, it could be subconscious. What you're portraying is that you aren't calm. And you, even if you're not calm, you want to sort of appear like you are. Absolutely. Yeah. So again, don't be like, don't make it weird. Don't sit like a robot. But if you catch yourself doing that, just stop. <laughs> right. Exactly. You're just trying to project a certain image and, do what projects that. Exactly. Uh, let's talk about the hands for a minute. Okay. <laughs> um, so if somebody does something called steepling, um, mm-hmm. which I'll kind of let you describe too, but it's, you know, the thing that you do as a kid where you're like, this is the church, this is the steeple. Think of that. Your, your hands are like, you're almost like, like you were praying if they were flat, but then you pull your palms away and spread your fingers out. Um, that's called steepling. Do you think, feel like that's a good description, Jay? Yeah, absolutely. You look like you're a, you look like you're a big executive sitting at a meeting, like thinking, but like they always put all their fingers together. Exactly. So what this projects is confidence. And that's the reason that big execs do it because they know that trick. It makes you seem confident and knowledgeable about what you're talking about. And again, even if you don't know body language, you intuitively read that as confident and knowledgeable. Why? What is it about that that reads as confident? Because you're bringing both hands together like you're like that sort of like all encompassing, like you're bringing everything together right in the middle. It's because you are making an arrow towards your face. Really? Yeah. You're going like, look here. <laughs> I'm the boss. Look at me. 
Here's where I'd like you to look square in the face <laughs> and listen to the words that are coming out of my mouth. Exactly. Exactly. Again, it's subconscious, not someone who's steepling doesn't necessarily do it because they want you to think they're confident. It's not always calculated, but if somebody is steepling with their hands, that's a good indication that they feel confident um, or they have a lot of knowledge on that. Whereas like if I asked a question and somebody was listening and they steepled their hands, I'd be like, they've got this. If they raise their shoulders, that's when I would clarify it. Like, do you know what I mean? Like that's the little ways that you could use that. I think a lot of these body language mechanisms, I think a lot of them are learned and they're picked up just from watching other people do them. So like to your point of, someone's steepling, they don't know. Most people don't know that you're actually trying to draw attention to your face. They've probably just seen other people model that, people that they thought were good leaders or were, you know, influential and they saw them do it. So they just subconsciously picked it up. Exactly right. It's also portrayed um, in movies and right. TV and like we see images of people doing that and their role is of somebody who is confident and who is knowledgeable and it stays in your brain. So I don't know who the first steepler was, but they clearly set the tone and that, that pointing to your face, really anytime you're gesturing and using your hands near your face, you, I'll give you another hack for that in a minute, but you typically feel pretty confident if you're doing that. That's good. Cause that's all I do when I talk. Yes. If, if you're gesturing and your hands are lower, that's not necessarily the case though. So keep them up near your face. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> okay. If you stand with your hands on your hips, otherwise known as a Kimbo, right? Um, do you know what that means, Jay? I'll let you guess. I don't know. I, the only thing I would read from it would be sort of that modern day, what now social media has created of mostly girls standing with their hands on their hips. Um, but I don't know if that's what the like traditional akimbo means. I have no idea. Like you're a boss bitch with your hands on your hips. Yeah, or like sassy. Like I think it reads like I'm sassy or I'm posing for a selfie. Like that sort of like hands on the hips. But I don't think that that's the original yeah. akimbo. It's not far off. Okay. It displays being territorial. That makes sense. <laughs> That for both of them, that makes sense. Agreed. So, and I'm going to, I'm going to clarify this in a minute because I actually asked this in a body language class. So if you're, if you're like me, I stand like that all the time. And if you're thinking like, I'm not territorial, I got you. Hold on a second. <laughs> <laughs> Cause that, that happened to me, that same thing. What you're projecting is that this, you're claiming space when you do that. Right. Well, oh, just a little way that you could use it. I, I noticed this um, quite often. If let's say you're going for a walk and you look over and there's like five people standing in a yard, most likely the person who puts their hands on their hips to address you is the person who owns the house. Oh, okay. Think about when, if you were, this might be more for women than men. Um, but think about if you're standing in your yard and someone approaches, you're probably going to put your hands on your hips and be like, can I help you? Yes, absolutely. Right. Yeah. Shoulders squared. Yeah. Like I'm, this is, you don't step here. This is my territory. It's not always threatening. It's just a claiming of space. This is my space. Yep. Okay. Yep. So here's my little hack in the question I asked. I stand with my hands on my hips and my feet wide apart all the time, Jay. That's how right. I stand. That's like uh, if you were studying my baseline, you would identify that as a baseline way that I stand. Right. <laughs> and when I heard this, I was like, 
I don't feel like that tracks. I don't feel like I am always trying to claim a territory. Like I'm not trying to dominate every space, kind of the opposite. I'm trying to not dominate. So I, I really felt like that was weird. So the answer was actually amazing. Apparently intuitive and energetic or empathic people, people who pick up on energy Mm -hmm. do this as a way to set an energetic boundary. Oh, Perfect. Makes so much sense. So for example, um, what we found out, and this is with me personally, but I think that it, it tracks for everybody, but you can let me know what you think, Jay. When I would stand like that, it wasn't because I was trying to claim a space or be dominating. It was that the person who I was speaking with was also had a bit of an alpha lead energy. Mm-hmm. So I was doing that and everything else I was doing was um, in support of that person. I wasn't trying to take, but I was establishing my space as a way of sort of think of, it's almost like animalistic of being like, I respect you as a leader, but you need to know that I'm also one. And it was meant on an energetic base. Like you're, you're coming into my energy field. I'm, I'm putting, I'm establishing my space and I'm setting my field. Which speaks to your point about how you can't just do the Pinocchio effect. It can't just be the the way you're standing because everything else that you're doing is pointing to you being a good listener and a good communicator. Exactly right. It really does illustrate that. So if you are also a super empathic person and you stand with your hip, hands on your hips like Wonder Woman style, you could be doing that to just claim your energetic space and to create a boundary for yourself. And it is not only just when you're threatened or of any way, it's just when you feel it necessary. Right. If you've been feeling that overload of energy your entire life, your body's going to subconsciously create these mechanisms to protect your actual physical space. Exactly. I remember as a kid, people commenting it all the time, like, oh, who do you think you are with your hands on your hips, Miss Sassy Pants or something? And I'd be like, (laughs) you know what I mean? It's this weird, again, a false you know, image of body language. And simply, I was probably standing like that because I felt your yucky energy from over there. Yeah, exactly. Susan, back off. Back off, Susan. Please, Louise. Now, a little a little asterisk to this. If your thumbs are behind you, right, when you're standing with your hands on your hips, this is the territorial thing. But if you oh, have it flipped and your thumbs are in front... It means that you are about to ask me a bunch of questions. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. That's what people do a lot of times. Again, it's not always, but if if somebody puts their hands on their hips like that, they are being they're about to be very inquisitive. They're thinking questions in their head about you. They're trying to figure you out. Wow. I That's- picture like a mom mad at her kids, like about to like really question them, like throwing her hands on her hips like that. Like, do you know what I mean? Right. Where were you? Why weren't you home in time? Exactly. So if you're speaking to someone and they suddenly put their hands on their hips, thumbs forward, be ready. They're going to ask you a question. Try it. Let me know. You'll see. That's really interesting. I think I do a variation of that where I, because I'm generally always wearing a hooded sweatshirt of some sort that my, when I'm about to do that, my hands go in my pockets. Yes. Yes. Your thumbs forward, but your hands are in your pockets. Yep. That tracks. Absolutely. Um, another one is the teepee. Now I just want to apologize if that is a culturally, culturally insensitive term to use. That's the name of this body language move. So again, I apologize. Um, if that is, I've been grappling with that word. I don't, I, I think we need to look into what's up with it and what are, um, alternatives we could use. I am so open to somebody giving us 
Same. Propose a correction or a better way to say that or whatever. I I would love to hear that. And I will continue to search for the answer. But the, the teepee is when you put your fingers interlaced together, but you keep your fingers stiff and then you kind of slowly rub them together. I see people do this all the time. Yes. This means that they are troubled. Oh, okay. Like sort of like wringing their hands, but not yet like turn, not yet grabbing. Yes. Ring, people know wringing their hands is obvious. Okay. Right. So if they're wringing their hands, they're not trying to hide from you that they're feeling troubled by what you just said. But if you notice somebody doing that and you've just like brought up a certain subject or, mm-hmm. you know, like, or your kid is doing that when you're asking them about their day, like same as we said before with the lip hiding, it's just a good clue to take that this person is feeling troubled about whatever you're talking about. All right. I'm going to look for this in people. Yeah, definitely look for it. Um, okay. The next one is, I like this one. This is also a micro expression, but this is the eyebrow flash. Okay. You just did it to me when I said it, which is, there you go. (laughs) You all probably did it when I said it. So this, this is a good one to use to read people, but also to use to, um, project something like to control what you're transmitting to people. So people raise their eyebrows up and down really quick when they're interested in something. That makes sense. So, um, if you are talking about a bunch of stuff and all of a sudden you start talking about like travel or something and someone's eyebrows lift really quick, I would go back to talk about that subject more or ask some questions because that they just showed you that they're interested in that. I think I have very expressive eyebrows. You do. I think I, I think we both have very expressive faces. Yeah, probably to a fault sometimes. To a fault. To the point that whenever there's like a video and they they grab a thumbnail from it, I look like an insane person in the <laughs> I truly very rarely just have a regular boring like still face. <laughs> That's just social media trying to keep us all humble, I guess, but there you go. Um so the way you can use the eyebrow flash, I do this all the time. Now everyone's going to be on to me, but it's a great way. If somebody is feeling insecure, raising your eyebrows at them while you smile at them, um, is a great way to make them feel like you like them. Oh, really? Yeah. So if I, if I just, everyone do this, that's listening, look at, look in the mirror or look at yourself on your phone or just imagine yourself doing this to somebody smile just without your eyebrows and then smile at someone and lift your eyebrows. Like, it, it, <laughs> like it'll really opens you up now, especially right. in the days, if, if you're listening to this during the pandemic and you're wearing a mask, using yes. your eyebrows to let people know you're smiling is a great idea. Anyways, again, don't make it weird. Don't do like creepy eyebrows at somebody. But if you just like, I have mine raised just as I'm talking, if you just raise them, it makes somebody who's feeling insecure It actually calms them down and they don't know you're doing it. You definitely look interested when you're raising your eyebrows when you're talking. Yeah. See, I just did it while you were talking. Absolutely. Right. And what you also, you just showed us or showed me, um, sorry for everybody at home that can't see this. I, we should have made it a show. Um, <laughs> you're also showing um, agreement with that. So if you want someone to feel like you're like, if you want to make someone not feel isolated or you want to bring them like into the conversation, you can do that with eyebrows. Exactly right. The other thing that you can do is you can get somebody to subconsciously feel more interested in what you're about to say if you raise your eyebrows and pause for a second before you say it. Oh, really? It's like a little 
like taking a beat before you. Yes. I do this when I am public speaking back when that was allowed before COVID. I would say something like, all right, we're about to talk about X, Y, and Z. And I would raise my eyebrows for a second to bring the room back into focus. And I really want you to hear this. Wow. That's really cool, Heather. Yeah. It it illustrates interest. And again, everyone's going to mirror me because I just did it. And then you're going to send the signal that you're interested. Right. When you're gesturing, you talked about gesturing before, Mm -hmm. the position of somebody's thumbs is going to indicate to you how confident they feel. Oh, really? Okay. Again, you got to establish a baseline first, because if someone's talking and the whole time their thumbs are down, it doesn't necessarily mean this. This is a generalization, but you can watch for it. So when people are gesturing and their thumbs are pointing upward, straight up, they feel confident. Okay. Makes sense. If I'm, let's say I'm, I'm trying to interview you and I want to know like how you are at a certain skill. If you gesture to me and you have your thumbs pointing up when you're telling me about it, then I know you actually feel confident about that. Wow. That's interesting. The more your thumbs start pointing down, the less confident you are in what you're saying and the more defensive you are. Think about just holding your thumbs pointing down and your hands in front of you, how that's like a a blocking right self back motion. It's, right. it's really the same. If your thumbs are up, you're good. You're confident. You're feeling secure. The more down they go, the less confident you are about that thing. Or even if you keep your hands sort of flat. So your thumbs more like going flat, not going up or down, but just sort of staying flat in space that would indicate not much confidence either. Yeah. It's like kind of neutral. Neutral confidence. Exactly. But if someone's hands are flat, but their thumbs are up, Mm. it means the same thing. So you can just notice that when somebody's talking. Um, I know if you said, Heather, walk me through a math equation, my thumbs would probably point way down when I was trying to do that. But if you were asking me to explain an intuitive concept, they'd be right up in the air. This is interesting that you say this because I'm picturing me like when I'm saying something and I feel like someone's misinterpreting what I'm saying. I put my hands out in that block, like, whoa, whoa, like not, not being defensive, but like, let's slow this down before you get upset. But my thumb is up when I'm doing it. Yeah. Cause I'm confident in what I'm saying. I'm just making sure that you are with me and that you're not hearing me the wrong way. Exactly. Exactly. Think about if somebody was getting too close to you and you said, stop, and you put your hand forward and your thumbs up, you'd probably feel good. But think about if you're pulling yourself away and putting your hand up in the air because oh, you're you're probably have your thumb down. Wow. There you go. Okay. That's, that's incredible. All right. The next one is with your palms. Mm-hmm. People, per- if people see your palms and they're open intuitively and subconsciously, they think you are more open, honest, and sincere. Really? Mm-hmm. So if you're talking and they can see your palms? Yes. So think about if you're talking to someone and they shove their hands in their pockets to hide them from you. It portrays this this sort of like dishonesty. Or if they like have their hands behind their back, you can't see what's going on. It doesn't feel like this person is an open book and they're super sincere and honest. But if I have my hands open and you can see my palms when I'm talking, no trickery, right? There's nothing up my sleeve. Like it's that sort of feeling. So when you're speaking to people, it's a great idea to, to have your palms up and open. Well, that's also like, put your hands up, like, don't shoot like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like you're showing that you're not a threat. Exactly right. Exactly right. Okay. This is one that I think is your favorite body language thing that I taught you. 
Okay. You know what it's going to be? Oh, the feet. Oh, the feet. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. The feet like changed my world. When you told me about that, I was, I was shocked. And then once I knew it and started paying attention, it's so, so first of all, incredible, but also really funny when you think about it. It's hilarious. It's so like obvious and like almost silly. Okay. People point their feet in the direction that they want to go. Right. Which makes sense when you think about it. But they do it subconsciously most of the time. Now, I, because I know about body language, will pay a little bit of attention to where my feet are pointing. But I still do this and I still, I'm more likely to correct it rather Mm -hmm. than to not do it. It's subconscious. So there's a couple examples. The first one is when somebody wants to leave, if they sort of suddenly you see somebody shift their feet towards the door or the exit or their car, that's them telling you they they're ready to go. Exactly. <laughs> that's the example I believe that I gave you. So yes. if you're if you're hanging out with someone and you're talking and you're like in this like super long story and you see someone's feet move towards the door, wrap it up. And you're sitting in your car probably or wherever you are, you're probably thinking, that's obvious. Of course, Heather. But I want you to actually pay attention because it can be a very subtle shift. Like say you're sitting at a table with someone and all of a sudden just they sort of pivot in their chair. They're not like getting their pocketbook and like, you know, picking up their coffee cup and getting ready to go. But all of a sudden you're going to realize that like their torso is the same, but from the waist down, they're now pointing to the door and they probably don't even realize it consciously. Most people have no idea that they're doing it. Um, right. And it isn't, it isn't an insult. Like some people are like, Oh, they point to their feet to the door. They want to, they might want to leave because they had, they know it's time to, they might have to pee. They might just need something hungry. They might be late. Like it doesn't necessarily mean that you're boring. Um, maybe, I mean, you could check in with yourself about it, certainly, but it just means that something is going on inside their brain that they haven't spoken to yet, that they're getting ready to go. All right. Now, if you see someone's feet shift to the door, don't be like, all right, time to go. Just sort of open it up because they might not have realized that yet. You know what I mean? Right. Wind and it I, down. I want someone to let me off the hook too. Like if, if, if I see you on the street and I'm just sort of passing you and I'm like, but I'm like still kind of walking or if I have my back turned like towards the path I'm walking, that means that, like you said, it probably doesn't mean that I don't want to be talking to you. I probably have to be somewhere. So like, again, don't make it weird. Like let the person go. They're trying to tell you that they have to be somewhere else or something else needs their attention. Exactly right. You know? Exactly right. Um, I do this in the grocery store. I If somebody stops to talk to me, I keep sort of moving and I keep my feet. I'll turn my upper body to you, but I keep my feet there. To because I know subconsciously you won't talk to me as off, as much or as long, and because I hate grocery shopping and I just want to get the f out of there, right? And because they're reading it as this person is still moving. Like if you and your cart are still in the same direction, and they're they're noting subconsciously that you're not stopping, yeah. they're going to read like, okay, she's she's moving, right? But turn your upper body and right contact and smile and raise your eyebrows and say, oh my god, I'm so happy to see you. Let's catch up later. Let's let's uh, let's arrange coffee. I'll text you and then keep walking. You, right. you don't feel offended, but because your body was pointed that way, there. I mean, some people who aren't empathic and intuitive at all might not pick up on that, but most people will go like, "Oh, that was very." She's happy to see me, but she's just in a hurry. <laughs> exactly, and it's not that's not taken personally, right? 
Um, okay. Think about your own posture. Here's a little tip. Okay. Just think about what your posture is projecting about you, especially when you're with people you don't know. Okay. Or you don't know that well. Mm-hmm. Now your posture, there's so many different factors that don't have anything to do with body language about why your posture is the way that it is. But think about it. Okay. If you are trying to, um, connect with somebody and your posture is like, like bad, like you're, you're arched over your back is arched. Your shoulders are forward. You don't look confident. Right. Exactly. If you're sitting up straight, your chest is open, not like rigid straight, but natural straight, you look more confident. Even if you feel super insecure, you're having a bad day, you're just not feeling it, stand like you are, posture like you are, and it will make a big difference. I, the differences between how I'm sitting with someone that I know and someone I don't know are so different. I mean, I'm, I sit completely differently. Yeah, exactly. If you are even like, let's use, let's use like Reiki, for example, Jay, or, you know, let's use photography, two things that maybe does. Okay. Most, let's say you're taking pictures of a woman for like her website. Like she's got a business, she has a website for it. And you're going to take some pictures for her. If you show up to that photo shoot, not like, and you don't have posture, like you're here to lead and you're confident in your ability to do this, you're going to feed her most likely already insecure feelings. And she's not going to feel as confident. But even if you feel like you're not crushing it that day and you're nervous to take this person's picture and you're in your head, but you stand like you're confident, you are going to make that experience 10 times better for that person. Agreed. And that's why people don't understand how I'm both a photographer and a Reiki practitioner is that they're actually energetically very similar because I have to energetically lead what's happening. It's not just like snapping the camera. I have to present in a way that makes the subject feel comfortable. And, or if they're nervous, I have to do something to make them feel like to make them laugh or make them calm down. So how I present myself, I, it's, it's like, it's almost like acting like as soon as it's like, I'm on quote unquote, when I'm working. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. It's the same. If you were taking pictures or if maybe someone was coming in for Reiki for the first time and they were nervous, you projecting confidence, that mm-hmm. calm confidence is exactly what you want to do. Now I have a little example Um, I witnessed this today. So I thought like, oh, I should mention it. Um, There's a a body language thing that's really great to do when you are um, talking to a kid, which is to lower yourself down to their eye level when you're talking to them, not by bending over, but by crouching so that when you're speaking to them, your eye level, that's very smart to do. Mm -hmm. I saw a mother do this um, to a child today. um, And the child was having like a bit of a, a moment, if you want, right? Losing we all, shit. right? Yeah. Instead of just lowering, she lowered and then hunched way over. So she, the kid did not listen to her at all, and I could see. Now I, I don't know. I didn't know this person well enough. I was also sitting in my car when it happened, so I wasn't gonna like get out and be like, "Hey, if you put your shoulders back, this wouldn't go better." Like, <laughs> I'm not that person, but I did think in my head. Sure where kids are so susceptible to this because they're so intuitive that if you had done that same thing, but put your shoulders back, they would have listened much, much better. Right. When you almost like sit, like crouching, like a catcher. Exactly. 
All right. I have a tip for anybody who likes to play cards. Oh, not me, but I will listen. Right. <laughs> I'm more of like an Uno Skipbo kind of card person. I'm not going to play yeah. poker, but like it Correct. works either way. <laughs> okay. All right. People put their hands closer to things that they like. So if you have, so again, this is not like for poker masters. They know this is basic, but if you're playing a card game with somebody and they put their hands over their cards and they put them down flat, they most likely have good cards. If they pull their hands away from the table and leave their cards there, they most likely don't have good cards. They don't like them. They don't like them. There you go. Wow. Interesting. How to use body language to win at cards. I'll keep that in my back pocket. <laughs> we'll have to play skip boat and try to assess. <laughs> go fish. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Um, and then I have one last experiment that I want to give people to, to try themselves and to also observe with people. And that has to do with personal space. Okay. <laughs> I got a thing with personal space. Uh, most empathic intuitive people do. Yeah. Um, so let's say you meet somebody for the first time and you walk up and you do the handshake. Okay. And then you're now establishing how much space is going to be in between you while you talk. Yeah. First time meeting them. Okay. Yeah. What a lot of people do is wait to see what the other person does. Mm -hmm. So quite often you have two people who after the handshake sort of stay that distance. Right. Makes sense. That's kind of natural human behavior. What you want to watch for if you do that is, is the person you're talking to either turning their upper body to the side, where are their feet pointing, right? Mm -hmm. Or are they rocking backwards? Okay, that makes sense. This is them telling you that you are too close for them to feel comfortable. I've literally taken like a step back from someone when they're too close to me. And then I instinctively think like, oh, that's really rude, Jamie. Like, (laughs) it's really obvious. And I cannot, my body's like, we don't care. Get back up. Take a step back, Jamie. The tip that is given in body language classes when you need more space is to rotate your body to the side. And the more you do that, the more somebody's going to back up because that, that think of two people fencing and how you hold your body. Like it betrays this feeling of discomfort. So even if you pretend to like reach around and itch your back or like move your body and open it away from the person and keep your face towards them. And it will a lot of times make the person either step back or not continue to move closer. All right. Well, I'm going to have to remember remember that one because I don't like that. Now, there is a a group of people who have a certain Claire who is the strongest, who are the close talkers. They like to be very close into your personal space. And those are people who have Claire tangency as their main Claire. Okay. Claire tangency is touch. So think of like touching uh, your you know, somebody's grandmother's ring and getting like a an intuitive hit of information about that. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. So they, in order to read your energy, need to be very close to it. Mm -hmm. So they tend to be the closest, followed only by the clairsentients, who are the emotional people. Um, And they just like really emotionally want to be hugging you all the time. So they're almost hugging you with their energy field. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes I'll, if I mean, if I know the person, I wouldn't do this to a stranger, but I'll like reach out and touch their forearm. 
and I realized that it was it was like an intuitive thing. Like sometimes it's a comforting thing, but sometimes I'm I'm just trying to read their energy a little bit, and I didn't realize it. Perfect. That's my tip for you. When something's okay. too close in your, you know, mamma jamma energy field, they're like right in your face. They're most likely clear tangents. So if you touch them, if you put your hand on their hand or their arm and then step back and then you every once in a while find a reason to touch them, they will back up because they just need that sensation will give them more. They're just, and they don't know that they're doing it. Most of them. It'll give them that like hit of intuition that they're looking to read. Exactly right. Okay, That makes sense. Now, just to wrap it up, I thought I would give you, these aren't body language, but if you're, if you want to detect people lying, these are just like a couple of little tips you can use. Okay. All right. I want to detect that. Okay. <laughs> All right. So the first one is that people tend to keep lies very, very simple. And the truth, they like to include a lot of details because the truth, people tell the truth to be helpful and people tell lies to deceive. Okay. Got it. So when somebody is lying to you, they're going to give you very few details. They're going to be very general and sort of like not go too far into it because also because they have to remember it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> trying not to get caught. Yeah. They're going to try to keep it simple. Yes. And think about it right now. If I told you to, to like lie and pretend you knew what I was talking about, if I started talking about something, you would give me very simple answers, not a lot of detail. Just as much as I felt like you needed to know. Exactly. Okay. The next one is that people tend to lie in only two senses. So when people are lying, they only lie using vision, like vision and hearing. I saw and I heard. They do not add in. I felt. They won't say what the weather's like. They won't say um, if they smelled something. That would only happen if you were telling the truth. Wow. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, so a lot of times that technique would be used. Like if you thought somebody was lying, you could be like, Oh, what was, was the weather cold or warm? Like you could ask a follow-up question. I wouldn't just go, Oh, they're only talking about two senses. <laughs> you can use right. that. Right. Okay. Um, people use something called build up language when they are deceiving you and people just flat out tell the truth. So, um, an example of that would be if I was about to, to tell you something and I was like, I want you to really listen and I want you to really hear me. I'm about to say something important. Those kinds of things tend to have deception around them. This is going to change your life. <laughs> exactly. Look up Nixon's speech um, about, what was it called? Watergate? Is that the right term? Yes. Okay. Yep. Look up Bill Clinton, Cl Clinton saying that he did not have sexual relationship relations with that woman. That woman, he's not even saying her name. He's but whatever. There's so many things there, but like right before they say it, look it up. They say like three or four of these little phrases that are building you up to hear the lie because they really want you to to take it a certain way. Make sense? Right. Yeah, it does. Now it doesn't always mean that somebody might really be trying to establish importance, but if somebody is trying to convince you they're telling the truth and they're doing that, that is a big red flag. Okay, got it. And the last one is that um, people can't tell lies out of chronological order. Oh, really? Yes. So here, I'm going to give you an example. This is a, a mom. I'm going to give you the example as a mom hack. Okay. okay. Your teenager comes home. They had just slept over at someone's house the night before. And they come home and you ask them, you know, what'd you do? And they say, um, oh, we, you know, we rented a movie. Then we got a pizza. Then... 
we walked to the store for an ice cream and then we came back and we played video games. You okay. said, okay, wait, what did you do right before you had pizza? Or what did you do? You pick one and you ask a question. If, if they can't answer right away, they're lying. Like they would have to start over and tell the sequence from the beginning. Exactly. You can only in your brain, you can only sequence back or forward a step. If you, if it actually happened to it, you were there in real time. If you made it up, you have not established that well enough in your mind to be able to do it. Wow. That's really (laughs) cool. And I think that that's how this is sort of going off the road a little bit, but like, I think that that's how people gaslight you. Cause if you were defensive about lying, you'd be like, what do I have to start over again? Exactly. And then, then it's the lie. They have to start from the beginning and go to the end. Cause they know that, that they're screwed. Yeah. Like, and think too, like if you think about being a teenager and telling a fib and like, you're telling that story, you probably establish in your mind what the movie was and where you got the pizza from. Like you, you pick right. those, but you didn't go, all right, let me practice the order of this in my head. First we went here. Then we went there. Like you didn't think, I mean, maybe now you do. Cause I just told you that, but you probably don't do that. So if you want to catch them, do that. Police use that all the time to like, see if someone's story changes um, right. but I'm telling you right now, mom hack. Yep. Wow. That's a good tip. Thank you. <laughs> that's right. All right. That's, that's my body language plus a few extra like detection of deception tips. What do you think? Oh, I think it's so fun. I think people are going to love to hear this. I think it's really, really interesting. Awesome. If you guys are trying any of this stuff or noticing any of it, let us know send us a voice message or tag us on social media, send us an email, all of the ways we would love to hear. Yeah. Try one and let us know how it goes. Absolutely. All right. Let's go read people's body language for the rest of the night, Jay. You ready? Yeah, my kids are in for it. <laughs> all right. I'll see you later. Bye. Bye. Hey everyone. Heather and I have an ask for you. If you love this episode or if you love the IGG, can you do us a favor? We need you to go onto whatever platform you listen on and download, subscribe, like, love, whatever it's asking you to do. Can you go do those things for us on the platforms that you listen on? It would mean so much to us. Thanks for listening to our episode. For a way to get in touch with us, please visit our website, intuitivegirlsguide.com. We love hearing your feedback on our episodes.